Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. I like to get two drinks because then you don't have to bother the, the server or the bartender for a while. You got two drinks. You got a whiskey, you got a beer. So there they go. Yeah. When was the, when was the last time you, you went to uh, a bar? Do you, do you remember the last bar you went to? Um... I do. Before the shutdown, my last time out was at my my neighborhood Mexican restaurant here in Yucca Valley, and I went over there and had my usual carne asada plate and a couple of Patron margaritas, not knowing that was going to be it. But you always figure, I'll get one more in. Yeah. And that was the that that was the invisible friend surprise there that you actually were not going to get one more in. Not not for not not yet at least not for a while, yeah. Not for a little while. You know how we like to have Jason P Woodbury come on the show and talk about interesting desert musicians and their stories and that was our plan for tonight, but I texted Jason this afternoon. I said, man, all I can think about is I want to go to a bar. Like eating at the bar in a steakhouse and then going to another bar to hang out with people and then going to another bar to see a band and getting a nightcap. You know, some, uh, some bar time. And you can drink at home, but it doesn't taste the same. It's got no social element. So I'll try to do the same thing I do at home in a bar, and it's different. You go to a tavern by yourself, you bring a book you want to read, you get a drink, you order something to eat, you text some friends, and it's like, ah, that's different than doing the same exact same thing in your home. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, first of all, somebody who knows how to make a drink is going to make your drink. And if you're having a beer, it's going to be a nice draft beer, not something from the Circle K. And you might strike up a conversation or join one or, you know, just have a little uh, rapport with the bartender on a quiet afternoon, leave everybody to their thoughts, uh, watch people on the sidewalk, watch the cars on the highway. There's something there's something very to me meditative about being in a bar by myself that is so very different from doing those same activities even if you are, you know, blessed to have some outdoor space and can do it outside. It's just is not the same. It lacks I don't know, pizzazz. Jason, you all know from Aquarium Drunkard, writes for Pitchfork and New Times. He's at Zia Records and Phoenix and Vegas and Tucson. Well, he's stuck at the house in Phoenix, too. So I figured we'd pour a couple of drinks and just kind of shoot the breeze, you know, rattle each other's chains for the old times' sake, for the good times. So... Jason, I got myself a Kentucky bourbon on the rocks and a pint of beer. What you got? I am drinking a a session IPA. I had some 
I was able to to order some some beer from a local brewery and stock up. They're they're doing deliveries, you know, right now. Oh, no, so that's, I was able that's to get a little bit of a bar experience. Get to see the barman for a minute. Yeah, we we ordered. I, I don't. I didn't have any cold ones, which is why I'm not drinking one. But we ordered a, a case of Valley beer from uh, our friends at Ren House, and we've also ordered from Arizona Wilderness, another brewery here. So it's really nice to be able to to throw uh, you know like an order together and and have them drop it off. I'll tell you, that's been one good thing of this shutdown is that all of a sudden you can get alcohol uh, delivered and take it out from your favorite places. Oh, so, yeah. It's uh, like being back in New Orleans, man. It's, uh, it, it just tells you, too, that there's so many stupid rules that so many stupid little bureaucrats made up just to make life more of a hassle for everybody else. And That's right. And with a snap of somebody's fingers, oh, we don't have to do that anymore. Like, really? What else don't we have to do anymore? That's that's what it makes you think about, man. It makes you think about what limits have we put on ourselves, you know, needlessly. Yeah, we're just, you know, even those of us out in the in the desert, the kind of independent minded, stay out of my way, don't tread on me, etc. You just get in the habit. You get in the habit of somebody, somebody you don't even know, somebody you can't even talk to, somebody who's a robot voicemail in, you know, the city of San Bernardino or Phoenix City Hall or whatever. And you're running around with a headache trying to do something stupid because somebody somewhere decided you had to do it. I was talking to my my oldest son the other day. This hit him in his first year of high school, you know. And he was saying something about this and that next year and what classes he wanted to do drama. And he's, you know, I can't because I have to do that. I said, look, man, nothing matters anymore. Don't, (laughs) you know, don't don't sit here at home in your non-existent school and worry about something that existed two months ago. That may never exist again. And he thought about it for a little while, and he's like, oh, actually, I don't need to take PE next year. I can do drama again. He was, you know, pissed off because he lost half the year in this class he liked. Man. And you just kind of get it in your head. All right, nothing matters. (laughs) And I posted, go ahead. Talking, I mean, thinking about bars, I wonder if that's part of the... uh, I think that maybe that's part of the appeal, right, of, of a bar, is that it's a space. It's one of the few spaces that we have culturally agreed upon. Yeah. To it's, it's a, a place it's where a temporary autonomous zone, a TAZ. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Yeah, you don't have to. There's there's not a lot of rules at at a bar, especially a dive bar. You know, tip your bartender. Don't be rude when you're ordering your drink. Right. Um, and that's about it. You don't. There's not a lot of rules to follow. You know. That's why we love these places. And there's one consequence if you just go over the top. You're 86. You're out of there. Dunzo. It's simple. Just yep. kind of be, you know, not too much of a jerk. Be nice to people, and you'll have friends, especially if it's your neighborhood bar. And 
treat your bar staff and your bar back and everybody else the way you want to be treated. And it's your it's your living room that's a lot more fun than your living room at home. That's that's true. And you're right, man. It, there's something beautiful about about reading a book at a bar, sitting in a booth and having somebody drop a drink off every now and then reading or hanging out with a friend. I make it a point. The kind of work I do brings me into bars and venues all the time, or at least it did. And I, I like that, you know, I like sort of seeing everybody I know. But for me, there's nothing better than calling up, you know, one friend and asking if they want to get a, a drink after work. To me, that's sort of like the ultimate bar experience is you and one other person sitting oh, yeah. there. And, and, and hopefully you talk with the bartender, too, and you talk with the people next to you and... Yeah, I grew up a churchgoer, you know, and it is still sort of a churchy experience a little bit. I know that's that's kind of cliche, but yeah, fellowship, that means something. Yeah, um, and I, yeah. I, I think community is fellowship. Yeah. You know, we have a bar out here in Wonder Valley called The Palms, great place, and they serve up good and expensive food on, on Sunday mornings. And so people go in, this ain't like brunch in Scottsdale or San Diego or something. You know, this is the salt of the earth, generally covered in salt and sand coming into <laughs> the palms. Food is good. Bloody Marys are $2. And people call it church. And they're not being cute. This is, this is my congregation. I see them once a week. We wish each other well. And we all go home about one o'clock with our brains a little fried. That's church. That's church for sure. So I'll tell you some bars I like that I've been thinking about. Tell, tell me a few of them, yeah. Well, you know, I lived in Los Angeles on and off. Never for too long at one time, but a couple of years here and there. Enough to know and love many neighborhoods. And I love Musso and Frank. That's the kind of place, every time I've ever walked in there in my life, I just feel like I won, you know? I won the prize. I get to go in here in this beautiful old wood-paneled Hollywood bar with uh, these people who have been working there for their whole lives. There's a news story in the L.A. Times every time another one of them retires because they're all just about gone now of the yeah. you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, people went in there working as kids, and that became the life. So you, you go in there, and it's just relaxation and comfort and a mix of retirees and bums and you know, kind of people on the outskirts of the industry, musicians in town to play, and people with racing sheets. And, Ah, just a beautiful place. The little glass jugs and martinis and the baskets of the French bread and butter. And the food's all right. You know, it's like, it's good. You're happy when you get it. But you're not going there to make a big deal out of food. You're going, no, you're there, going to, there to have it. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To have the experience, to be around the people. To, you see people. People have their own nights, you know, my... My old buddy Coop, the artist, he used to go in there on a certain night. And years ago, he got a divorce, and so he and his ex had to decide who got their night. You know, oh, man. So, oh, yeah, that kind of thing. 
So would Coop would Coop just sort of hold court? Would he like would people know that that's where they could find him if they happen to be looking for him? I mean, he's an artist. Not a lot of people would have known him if they were not introduced. As it turned out, I met him there. We knew each other online and happened to to meet in there uh, one night over over drinks. That guy defined the defined the records I bought in the early 2000s for 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 quite a while. Yeah, a, a figure of uh, great and and uh, uh, not quite as appreciated as as he should be. Importance in a number sure. of cultural scenes. Now he's in Austin. You know, I didn't realize that that's where he had uh, he had headed out. But I mean, Austin's a good place for for weird weird folks. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been told. L.A. got a bit hard to have a normal life there. You know, we'll see how it is after all this. I mean, it's a very pleasant place to live. You can't blame the rich for wanting it, too. But, you know, they kind of took all of it. Um, I was thinking of, I used to live up on Alameda Island on San Francisco. It was uh, a lucky 13 there. I think think there's two. There's one, one in the city. And I'd go in there with my dog after I walked the dog around the island. Dog would be hot, stretch out on the cool wood floor, get a beer and a shot, and a little food place next door, and they'd bring you food over, whatever they were making that day. There was, um, oh, what else? Oh, I used to love to go into the 500 Club in the Mission District in San Francisco. This is back in the 90s. I, I worked nearby, I'd go in there. There's this little guy in a suit, you know, a very dapper gentleman who would come in at the same time every day, and he had a little Jack Russell Terrier. And he put the mm. dog on a bar stool next to him, and the bartender would give the dog a little saucer of beer, you know, anchor steam out of the tap. The dog would lap it up, and then he'd give him a glass of water. And the dog would drink the water. You could tell, looking at the dog, he he could go for another beer. You gotta, <laughs> you don't want to overdo it. But I remember yeah. this time I was yeah. there, the dog was like 15 years old. Very sprightly Jack Russells or kind of insane little demons of high IQ within these cute little packages. Oh, where else? Delirium and the Mission. Uh, there was a place over in Los Feliz when I lived in L.A. called Ye Rustic Inn. That was very much everybody's living room in the neighborhood. They had food, diner food. You go in there and just start ordering, you know, grilled cheese and onion rings and pitchers, and people come in and out for hours. Your roommates, your neighbors, people you were in bands with. And it was, uh, uh, sadly, that place is no longer there. Tell me some of your favorites or ones that you've been missing. Well... I've been missing. There's a there's a place in downtown Phoenix that has only been open for a couple of years, but um, I really love it. It's called Gr- Gracie's. That's a good. Gracie's. That's a good name for a bar. Yeah, yeah. Gracie's Tax Bar is what it's called because it was a tax like an accountant filers building before that. They stripped some of the facade off, and it said you know tax on the building, so they called it the Tax Bar, which I don't. 100% understand, but it doesn't matter because they've got really good tater tots and they've got beer and it's lit a little bit like a, a bar in a David Lynch movie. A lot of red light. So so that's that's a big one. 
and uh, how's the and air conditioning in there? Is one of those one of those Phoenix downtown bars where they blast it and like you're going into a cave? They do. It's dark and cold, which is the all-time great Phoenix combo. You know, I think that probably works anywhere, but um, here in Phoenix, yeah, it. The darker and the colder, the better. You know, you really feel like I, I miss. I miss Valley Bar, where we had uh, a Desert Oracle a couple of years ago. We did a, a presentation there, and that's that's underground, so you get nice and chilly down there. Yeah, I've been there two times with you. One, you invited me to do a, a Bar Flies like storytelling night, mm. and then you you promoted with Aquarium Drunkard uh, Desert Oracle Radio live show. There and both times with a heat of summer, it was you know like opening the pyramid and going down to the tomb at the bottom and just getting in the coffin. It was very pleasant. Yeah, you know another bar I've been thinking a lot about was um, I haven't been in a while, but I've got a framed photo of this bar hanging up above uh, the one one of the chairs in my in my living room. Um, that my wife Becky had got us when we first started dating. There's a bar in downtown Phoenix called the Bikini Lounge. Um, and the Bikini Lounge has been, uh, I, you know, it depends on who you ask. Like if you ask the bartender on one night, they might tell you that it's the oldest uh, continually operating tiki bar in in the country. Um, I don't know if there's any truth to that, Ken, so I can't really speak to it. Um, you don't want to wiki a bartender. Just let the bartender tell the story. The, the bartender's in charge, you know, so I don't, I don't argue. Um, but yeah, uh, n- not even, I don't know if I've ever had a tiki drink at this place, but it was, it is um, on Grand Avenue in Phoenix, which kind of runs uh, cuts a line through the city. You know, if you, if you get on Grand Avenue and you just keep going, eventually I think it becomes the 60 and then you can take it to Vegas pretty much. Um, but anyway, the Bikini Lounge was, for me, it was the first bar that I um, became sort of a regular at in, in a real way because it was right next to a venue downtown called the Trunk Space, which is where all of my bands uh, would play shows. And then... Of course, I would see other artists even when we weren't playing. But it became sort of like a ritual thing to like watch a set, and then while the band is setting up the next band, you run over and you get like two pictures of Hyla Life, uh, and and that's like a bar where I, I I hung out there often enough that the bartender Wes would she she knew who I was, you know. Eventually, I I DJed a couple times in there and. Um, they had a jukebox, and I don't know how you feel about jukeboxes in bars, Ken. I'm kind of a purist. I like uh, a selection of CDs or records. You know, I don't want one of those digital jukeboxes. Oh, those, can... No, those things are uh, 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 a crime against the muse, you know? They're a crime against well, the idea that you need X number of records, and you need records that go with each bar. So, like, when you right. go into a bar, all right, I'm going to put on whatever the hell, you know? Side two of Born well, to Run. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's my favorite thing about Gracie's is that they've got this great curated jukebox. It's the music they've decided is going gonna, is gonna to be played in this establishment. The Bikini Lounge, however, did have one of those digital jukeboxes. And uh, recognizing its crime against humanity-ness, my buddy Jeff and I used to always pick the most obnoxious things possible. And we would often put like $5 worth of Sun Ra on and then we'd pound our beers and then we'd go play our show. I remember one time we came back and as we walked in, the jukebox was unplugged. So I figured uh, that somebody had figured out what we were what we were up to. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a bad citizenship award there. Now, most bars, at least most old-time bars, have a skip button behind the bar. It's over there where the police alarm button is. Uh, so you can they- hit that button. It's like a doorbell. The best jukeboxes that I've ever encountered are the ones that everybody's going to be pretty happy with the stuff because they're it's a mix of crowd pleasers and and really kind of hooky uh rocking stuff and some oldies you know like new orleans bars are really good at this they'll have regional oldies yeah. and they'll have some kind of like alternative kind of alt underground stuff and they'll have some country western they'll have some r&b they'll have a little hip-hop you know stuff but all stuff that you get two three drinks in you and you're gonna love and that's yeah. the art you know, picking out a selection of music like that. And they even have in, in New Orleans bars special labels for the jukeboxes for the holidays. Because there's always holiday favorites that come in. Like, of course, a Mardi Gras. You got Mardi Gras Mambo and uh, all this kinds of stuff. But then there's other seasonal favorites for Christmas, for springtime, for summer. And they swap those records in and you just expect if you go into you know the oyster bar or something or port a call or whatever you're gonna hear certain songs at certain times of the year and this goes on for decades and decades man yeah Which yeah is, i love that it's a it's a beautiful thing when this it, is over where do you think you're gonna go first where do I think I'm gonna go first? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm definitely in. I'm definitely interested in, in getting out of town. You know, so um, I've been thinking a lot about. Well, I guess listening for Desert Oracle. I've been thinking a lot about your your part of the desert. You know. Yeah. And, uh, I love I love a visit to Pappy and Harriet's. I've seen some incredible music out there. I've definitely had some some great times uh but then there's another spot too sort of in the superstition mountains out here uh just outside of the mountain range a place that i'd like to to will sometimes go camping in the superstition mountains my friends and i my brother you know we'll 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 load out on like a friday and stay out there there's a couple different spots there's there's a place called fish creek and then when we're feeling a little bit more rugged, there's a backpacking trip that we'll do out to a place called Rebus Ranch. And I've been thinking about the bar that we visited after that, that last time we did that hike. That's the bar that's strangely enough been stuck in my head. It's called Tortilla Flat. And it's um, 
it's right as you are about to sort of enter the range, the, the mountain range. Uh, you got to go through these big, these long stretch of windy roads, and there's a bunch of one-way bridges where you have to wait for somebody if they're going the opposite direction, and then you go after that. But the last time we went out there, we, we did this hike, and uh, it was pretty brutal. We went a little bit late in the year, so it was warm enough. But you do this long hike, it's like nine miles in and nine miles out. And the last time that we did it, uh, we were really feeling kind of whooped on that Sunday because it had been really hot and we had kind of, you know, some, some of us maybe uh, partied too hard the night before or whatever, I don't know. Uh, anyway, the last time we left, uh, we were driving out and, and as we were turning the corner sort of out of the mountain range, I, I said, we should stop at the bar over there. We should stop at Tortilla Flat. And I'll tell you, Ken, the walls are covered in like $1 bills. Oh, that's a classic desert bar. Classic, classic roadhouse thing. And, and the food is okay, but it beats the, the pants off your like dehydrated, uh, you know, just add water meals or whatever. Yeah. So, it's like, so a, we, like a bar greasy spoon kind of thing. That's right. We sat down in there and I got like a, a bean burrito and I had three beers and it was, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to put it up there in the top 10 meals I've ever had just because of the circumstance, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that bar, I mean, we could have stayed for hours. You know, we, we put in some time and then we, you know, got back on the road and got home. But yeah, I, uh, believe like weirdly enough that's the bar that i've sort of been thinking about was the one i think it's because uh there's nothing like a trip to the bar when you feel like you earned it you know and uh and i guess maybe that's what we're all feeling right now is that we have earned a night out at the bar right and plus that has all all the the elements that have been restricted in recent times. You're together with your friends, you've gone camping, you've camped out, you're doing a pointless road trip. Yep. And then you're hiding in a bar with dollar bills with crazy things written on them all over, drinking beer and eating burritos. That's uh that's about perfect. That that reminds me of some some places I've been thinking of up in uh, northern Nevada, like the Basque bars. There's the little saloon in Genoa up against the Kingsbury Grade and uh, not too far south of Carson City. Another place with dollar bills on the ceiling and everything. Every time I've ever been in that place, people tell me like, oh, you know, Willie Nelson was just in here. Like, really? What was Willie Nelson doing in here? I said, well, he was playing at the casino in South Tahoe and they always stop here for a drink and some fresh air once they get out of Tahoe. Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll see Willie Nelson out there on the road. I still got my bumper sticker from way back in uh, 2000, and it says, "Don't blame me. I voted for Willie Nelson." All right, Jason. Well, thanks for having a drink with me. I'm gonna finish up the show here and go. Uh, Go take a walk in the cool evening air. Maybe I'll go rob a bank or something while I'm out. That sounds great, Ken. I'm going to get another beer. 
That's a good idea. All right, and you'll come back in a couple of weeks, and we'll do our regular music segment. Uh, hopefully, when we've been allowed uh, to to break the cabin fever a bit. Yeah, here's here's an open for sure. All right, here's to it, Jason. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Cheers, Ken. Thanks. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.